Amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you, Camille. Thank you all. Um, my name is uh, Matthew. Um, I just escaped from the drum cage. And um, today I'm here to talk about raising cage-free drummers. And I'd like this church to commit to cage-free drummers by... T- okay, that's not why I'm here. Sorry. Um, so my name is Matthew Stevens. I am uh, a member of this church. Um, I have been attending this church for over 30 years. Um, I'm currently a member of the board um, and am the chief financial officer on the board, which I thought was my greatest honor, but apparently the greatest honor is going to be the staff board tug of war, which we are absolutely going to dominate um, because we have Marianne Farrell. And if you've never seen the results of Marianne Farrell's prayer, she can move mountains, so I'm sure that she can move a tug of war game. All right? I'm looking at you. You're the anchor. Gary, you can call in sick. It'll be all right. Um, so my parents brought me here when I was one. Um, I was dedicated as a baby in this church. Um, I had the blessing of growing up through the children's Sunday school, uh, progressing down the hallways of classrooms. As you get older, you move to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. Um, you know, I got to play on uh, the outside playground, um, be cared for by an amazing group of volunteers and staff. Um, in 1997, uh, I moved up to youth group uh, when I went to junior high, and there um, I was built up by my two main youth pastors, um, Bob Grimes and Darren Posey, uh, among myriad other volunteers. Um, when I wa- went away to University of the Pacific in 2004, um, I really struggled to find a home church there in Stockton um, and then in Bakersfield. Uh, I struggled to find a place that I felt a part of. Uh, My home was still here uh, in this church, and um, I still felt I had a place here because of the impact uh, college and career group. Uh, This is one of the numerous undertakings of Jerry and Sharon Sintis, who do more in this church than... I think any of us are probably aware of. But at the time, they were running the college and career group, uh, and it was in this group that I would meet the woman who ended up uh, being my wife, Kimberly. Um, um, So we met while I was still in school. Uh, After I graduated from pharmacy school uh, in 2011, um, I began my attempts to woo her. And for reasons unknown, uh, she said yes when I asked if she would marry me. Um, And that was this trip uh, was when she said yes. Um, After several wonderful married years, um, we decided to start trying to have a child. Um, And, of course, because we're in this church and um, we have Bethlehem, any child-making needs to revolve around Bethlehem. And, you know, I'm talking with Jerry, and, you know, Jerry's like, you got to do it here, you know, you gotta do it in February, February's when you want, then, you, you know, deli- uh, Valentine's Day's perfect. I'm like, okay, great, thanks, Jerry. This is really the conversation I want to have with you. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Um, so, again, for reasons unknown, my wife decides to humor me and says, sure, we'll have a, we'll try to have a Bethlehem baby. But um, what we should do, you know, 
February might be cutting it, you know, close. It might take some time. We should start early. Uh, so, you know, January, she's like doing her temperature monitoring. Like, now's the time. We got to do it now. I'm like, okay, well, we'll try. And boom, there it is in January. Uh, God blessed us. Yeah, she's so embarrassed right now, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> because God blessed us with, I am so sorry blessed us with a Bethlehem baby. Um, and in October of 2017, uh, she gave birth to Joshua Daniel Stevens, um, our miracle Bethlehem baby. And that year, uh, I got to be Joseph in Bethlehem with my son. Um, so every year, uh, after Bethlehem, we try to take pictures with as many people as we possibly can uh, out in the town. Uh, I came up with this one year, I was like, you know, people just want to take pictures with, like, Mary and the baby, and I just kind of either tag along or photobomb or, like, take the pictures. That often happens, too. Like, oh, yeah, you, person, random person, here, can you take the picture of me and Mary and the baby? Um, they also, they always ask, are we a couple? I'm like, no, she's 16. Uh, I'm 30. Um, oh, is it your baby? And she's like, I'm a sophomore. I'm a junior in high school. Like, no. Um, but this year... People would ask Mary, is it your baby? I'd be like, actually, it's my baby. And uh, it was like, oh, were you Joseph? Yeah, I'm Joseph. All right. Uh, So we have this amazing son who's going to be two in October now. um, And he was here, dedicated as a baby, as I was. Uh, He now spends his Sunday school in the same classroom wing that, that I did. He plays on the same playground that I did, and hopefully will experience the same nurturing joy and love that I did when I grew up in this church. The reason I kept coming back to this church through college and after I graduated is because this church has been and continues to be a family to me and my immediate family. Uh, My parents no longer attend here, uh, although many of you know my parents and still ask me about them, and uh, they're doing well. Actually, they're finally selling their home in San Jose and uh, moving into a more fitting uh, retired grandparent status house. So they're they're doing great. They're traveling. They're living their life and uh, absolutely loving it. Um, And even though my parents no longer attend here, uh, there are many other parent figures Um, who have been mothers and fathers to me when I needed them. Uh, In times of uh, struggle, um, uncertainty, and despair, uh, depression in college, um, joy and celebration on graduating and coming home, um, there have been people who made it their business to take care of me. And even when I didn't have a wife and a child, I still had a family here. And for me, that is the legacy of this church. It has been my family. Now, families can change. Uh, Like I said, um, my parents no longer attend this church. Um, Many of my friends that grew up with me in this church have moved away, or they attend different churches in the area. Um, Most of the children's teachers have retired, uh, but not all. Looking at you, Bill. Uh, 
uh, the ageless wonder who might actually be an angel. Um, I think there might be something Jerry knows that the rest of us don't know, and that's why he continues to have that, that role. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just... I, Bill is amazing. I mean, Bill has been doing this for so long. Thank you so much. I know you did, but give him another round of applause. And, and there are so many other volunteers who come regularly and give their time over and over again. And I, I thank you all for that time because you made me who I am here. Um, you know, the youth leadership has changed. Uh, the youth leadership even included me for a few years. Um, and the head of the household changed when we called Valui to be the pastor of this church. But what has remained is the bonds of community that unite us together as a church. It seems um, many Sundays now, Valui will either welcome new members into the church um, or just have some new attenders up either on stage or in the front sharing about what their experience is and why they attend. And invariably, someone will talk about how they were welcomed. They felt they belonged. How we opened our doors and our hearts. We greeted them. We brought them into the community. And that spirit of family, uh, of community, uh, continues to be a defining characteristic of who we are as a church. Despite changes in the pastor and in leadership and staff, that has remained the same. Because the church is you. The church is the people. And the culture of this church will be whatever you make it to be. People from outside can look at our church, um, and in their minds from the outside, they can define it as, you know, the church across the street from the high school. Um, It might be the church that does Bethlehem, or the church with a a huge telephone pole cross. Uh, But when they come inside, they get to look at its people. The defining characteristic of this church is its family. It is inviting. It is welcoming. It is loving. It is compassionate and caring and nurturing. This continues to be what I see as defining our church even more now with Pastor Valui, who has set this vision of this church to be a house of prayer for all nations and of all nations. It is for all. This is a place where all can belong and be a part of that family. Now, as I was preparing for this today, um, I felt compelled to talk, to read and talk about the letter uh, from Paul to the Thessalonians. Because if you're going to give a sermon, you've got to include some Bible in it, you know, because that's the rule. Um, but that was like, put on me like, read Thessalonians. Like, all right, Thessalonians, that's an interesting choice, but okay, let's go for it. Um, so start reading First Thessalonians. It's not a very big book. Uh, it's five short chapters. So I'm like, well, I'll just read the whole thing and just get through it and see what's in there. Uh, so I finished First Thessalonians. Not so inspired. Uh, didn't, oh my God, didn't really get anything there, God. Um, so, Second Thessalonians. All right, what's in here? Uh, Second Thessalonians is even shorter. It's three short chapters. 
finish Second Thessalonians, still, you know, nothing. I'm like, I'm watching and waiting for something magical to happen. And uh, God's like, no, it's not magic. Just go back, try it again. Because almost the entirety of these books is Paul, like, giving a long greeting, like, hello, I love you, and you're amazing. And then at the end, like, all right, and take care, stay amazing. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's something in there. Let me go back. And so I start reading it slowly. Start at First Thessalonians. And this is what I read. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That time, there were several things that jumped out at me. Um, Paul will often talk about the different fruit of the Spirit. Um, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? We're familiar with them. I can, we can rattle them off in rapid fire uh, without necessarily thinking about what any of them mean. Um, what stood out to me here, reading this again, was that Paul didn't say he remembered their faith. He remembered their love. He didn't remember their hope. Um, actually, each characteristic that he remembers is associated with an action by the church. It's their conduct. It's what they do. It's baked into their DNA of who they are that allows Paul to see these virtues. So let's take a look at these real quick. Um, Let's first look at remembering their work produced by faith. Um... We see later in the chapter that the object of their faith is God, right? They have faith in God. Um, and their faith... Sorry. Get excited, and I just want to... Uh, their faith is made active by the work that they do. Um, now, there's a whole bunch of, like, different ways we can go with this, but Paul makes very clear in many other letters that it is not the work that they do that provides them with salvation. Okay, he's very clear on this, so by no means do I want to go down this path of salvation through works. That is not at all where this is going. We cannot earn our salvation from God. But Paul also stresses that the fruit of our faith, the good, the positive end result of that faith in God, comes in and comes through those works that we do. Now, we don't know specifically what work the Thessalonians uh, were doing that showcased their faith. Um, We don't know if it is actually manual labor or work that they were doing, if it's the work of the church leaders and the deacons leading the church, um, if it's good works um, of, like, taking care of the poor um, or visiting the sick, showing hospitality. We don't know. But in the end, maybe it doesn't really matter. Maybe the point is that the things that the church did, whatever they were, flowed from their faith. They didn't do these things trying to earn their salvation. 
but rather because they were confident in their salvation and that it came from God. And this faith in God allowed them to do these other charitable good works. Second, Paul remembers their labor prompted by love. So here, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy offer praise for the way that the church loves others. Um, The love of the church, as we read here, um, and also in 2 Thessalonians when he writes his follow-up letter, um, is directed toward the Christian community, the church in Thessalonica. Um, They also comment on the love that they show to Christians and other towns. And also uh, the love that they show to the community, those that have not yet become a part of the church. Um, The church in Thessalonica wants everybody to know, ultimately, that love of God. And Paul here affirms Uh, the Thessalonians for showing it through whatever he describes as labor. Uh, Hard, strenuous, exhausting undertakings that the church does for the benefit of others. Again, we don't know exactly what the labor is, um, but we can generally understand it as some sort of self-sacrificing labor. They put others first. Uh, They raise the needs of the family and the community above their own. And we see their love and faith, as earlier in the verse, was shown in the self-sacrifice. And finally, the writers here mention endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Endurance is the ability to remain uh, steadfast, to press on, to persevere uh, in the face of difficulty or suffering or temptation, to keep going when things want you and are giving you, like, resistance when they want you to stop. Uh, In the early church um, and in Jewish thought, which heavily influenced the early church, um, this endurance in the face of suffering was like a key value of martyrs. Um, They were associated with persecution, with difficulty, and again with self-sacrifice. And the church in Thessalonica had shown endurance in the face of great opposition within their own city. Um, Their city was known as a city that was strongly involved in the worship of Caesar. And because their city was known as like a Caesar-worshipping city, uh, Rome actually gave them a whole bunch of autonomy, right? They had, like, the benefits of being under Roman rule without the oppression, without having the soldiers there. So this was something that was really important to the Thessalonians. It was not the church, but the city. Uh, it was one of the city's defining characteristics was they worshipped Caesar, and because of that, Rome kind of didn't oppress them, I would say, as much. Um, the city didn't take real nicely to Paul coming in and saying, there's another king, this guy Jesus. And uh, the city also didn't take real nicely to a new following of Christ followers. Uh, So they faced significant difficulty and opposition within their own city. And the source of their perseverance, the way they got through it, uh, was not some sort of Um, magic inner resolve or personal strength. You know, they didn't like pull themselves up by their bootstraps and just get on with it and suck it up. Uh, No, Paul states their hope 
is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's right there. Uh, This hope is not some vague expectation uh, that things might be better in the future. You know, maybe if we just make it through, we'll be okay. No, it was a confident knowledge that Christ's kingdom will come. And these were the defining characteristics of the Thessalonians. And they were witnessed by the things that they did, by their works, their labors, and their endurance. The same things allow those around us to witness who we are and what we value. When you hold events like Hope Silicon Valley, uh, we showcase to the community that we want to be a part of their well-being, that we care for the kids even though we don't know them, uh, even though we get nothing back from it, we will care and provide for them. That's who we are. We are about self-sacrifice, doing the work, and laboring for it. And that has not changed from when I was a child here. Now, while the DNA of our church may not have changed, there are many things that have changed. Um, I'm happy to say that our church is significantly more reflective of the community around us than when I was a child. And that's amazing. There have also been many physical changes to the church. The church has had quite extensive cosmetic surgery. Uh, This sanctuary was remodeled, I believe, in the early 2000s. Uh, It was in need of major overhaul. Um, to be able to serve as a welcoming and inviting functional house of worship. I believe, and I can be corrected if I'm wrong, but I believe this sanctuary was, like, designed and built by somebody who really just did, like, gymnasiums. (laughs) Which might explain why this building looks like it is and has all of the acoustic properties of a gym. Um... So we ran a capital campaign to redo this whole thing. We, the slogan for the campaign was, Because it's time! Which it was. It definitely was time. It sounded good. Uh, shortly after this was done, we also decided, Hey, yeah, the inside looks better, but the outside is still like this horrible, horrible, ugly green. And it looks terrible. Uh, and we should probably bring it up, you know, with some modern colors, repaint it, and make it look like it belongs in this millennium. And this time the slogan was, because it's ugly. (laughs) Hey, it doesn't have to be brilliant if it's true, okay? It was ugly, and that's what it was. Um, So in addition, all of the children's wing has been redone. The fireside room underwent some beautification. There's more to be done there, but it's come a long way. The youth room was completely overhauled. When I started in youth, uh, the youth room is what was formerly the stage in that building when that building was like the sanctuary. And they just put a wall there. So now you just have a big, long tunnel. And that was the youth room. And then Darren Posey came in and was like, no, we're going to build a stadium and it's going to be awesome. And everybody's like, Darren, you're nuts. It's like, no, we're going to get like movie seats and it's going to be amazing. And we're like... Okay, right? Like, we're teens. We're like, yeah, we'll go for it. I don't know how he convinced people to let him do it, but he, like, found some old movie theater seats that were donated and, like, completely redid it. 
And since then, it's been remodeled again. And if you haven't seen what the youth room and the surrounding rooms look like, they're incredible. Um, The bathrooms have been redone down the wing, in there, in here. The office, you name it. You name it, we've worked on it. We have remodeled just about everything. Except that same playground. is not haunted or possessed. Don't, don't, it's okay. So when the church, um, as it currently uh, is built, um, as it currently exists, was built, that actual, that courtyard was all grass. And that playground was put in, um, in 1988 in partnership with uh, the daycare that was here. And that daycare ran through the 90s. Um, that playground has remained largely untouched uh, for over 30 years. And the current play structures out there, uh, while not demonically possessed, uh, do range from unappealing to outright dangerous. Uh, talking about the merry-go-round of death, that I, there's no possible way we could ever get that like installed and insured nowadays. But apparently in the 80s, sure, whatever, whatever put a merry-go-round of death out there. Um, I mean, just in filming that, my son, like, fell off of it. I was like, yeah, how is this thing still here? (laughs) Uh, When we started doing the Sunday Grill, uh, it became immediately apparent that the current playground has little, if anything, to offer anyone besides children. Uh, Temporary benches were put in, bought and put in, brought in, not put in. They they move. You know, pick them up. They weigh about 1,000 pounds. Um were brought in to provide places to eat, um, but unless you have really good mobility, uh, just getting to those benches can be a challenge. You know, I don't see great Grandma Tina out there trying to get to one of those benches. You know, she's going to hit one of the deep pockets of dirt and tan bark where it sinks down like this and just end up with her walker stuck and sink down like quicksand. It's not going to happen. The playground is old, and it's uninviting, it's dangerous, and yet you can still drive by in the afternoons and see families from the community out there enjoying it. Maybe it's just the merry-go-round of death. I'm not sure. (laughs) This is one of the things that the people in our community see. Uh, We have remodeled much of the inside, so it's much more functional. Uh, It's more aesthetically pleasing. 
Uh, but unless somebody comes inside, they're not going to see the sanctuary. They're not going to see the youth room. They're not going to see all these different parts. The courtyard offers us an opportunity to show who we are without them having to step inside first. And you've heard Jerry talk about the upcoming courtyard project. Um, he, a couple weeks ago, asked for name suggestions from y'all. Uh, and they ranged from uh, no to outright hilarious uh, with everything in between. Uh, my favorite name so far, although it will absolutely not be called this, um, is to refer to it as Little Caesar's Palace. <laughs> so no matter what we do name it, uh, during Bethlehem season, that's always going to be its name. It's, we're never going to get away from it. Uh, currently, we have been referring to it as Community Park. It will be a place for our church, uh, our families, and our community to gather together as one. Uh, one of the things that I love most about the name Community Park is that in the middle of it is the word unity. And it will be a place where we can be together as one, not just a spot for our kids to flirt with death. Uh, so let's take a look at some of the mock-ups of the park itself. Um, this is the entire uh, courtyard area. On the left, you have the sanctuary, the building that we're in. On the right, you have the fellowship hall. Uh, the black bar running from the bottom left slightly up toward the right, that is the uh, iron fence that is already currently out there. Uh, as is the, um, the walkway right below it. Now, in these mock-ups, there are several different parts to what we want to do with the courtyard. Um, and I really just want to talk mainly about three of them. Uh, the first one is, you'll notice, we have uh, a bunch of tables put in. Places to sit and eat. We use that area every Sunday during the summer to do our grill. And currently, again, it's limited to people who can actually walk over uh, the tan bark and onto the grass and have the mobility to get out there. These tables will have pathway access as well as decomposed granite that you can, again, roll a wheelchair on without a problem. They have, there are two tables that have access where you can roll a wheelchair right up to it. Okay? We want this to be for everyone. This is a place where the church will come together as a community. Second thing, uh, in the top right of that open area is what looks like three red triangles. Um, that is actually a kind of like a circular pavilion. Over that circular area, that meeting space, will be three huge shade canopies so that this place can be used even during the summer, it will provide a place to sit, a place for life groups to meet if they want to meet outside, a place for youth, kids, whoever wants to do it. You can sit on there and enjoy the shade without baking in the sun. And, uh, well, if you're like me, like that happens really quickly now. So uh, I, I look for all the shade I can possibly get. Uh, Jerry and I probably are some of the only ones that are in that boat right now. Um, third thing that we want to look at is the playground. On the left side is 
the design for a brand new play structure. This play structure, um, we're going to look at the actual design and structure of it on the next slide, but one of the things that um, you'll notice here is it looks like it's all kind of like flat and level, which it is. If you were to look at right now, the hill actually kind of like slopes down into it. And so what we wanted to do here, what Jerry has decided that would be good, would to be actually lower the whole thing down so that all the tan bark and everything stays inside of it. Have retaining wall that parents can sit on, watch their kids. The tan bark stays in there. The kids are in a safe, enclosed space with their playground that's not going to kill them. Let's take a look at the playground. There's actually two parts to this playground. Um, there is a toddler area um, and an older kid area. This is um, the current mock-up of what we want the playground to look like. It is just full of stuff for kids to do, right? They currently have access to this entire thing. It's all swings and all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. It's all packed into this single play area. It's plastic, so it won't uh, heat up to a million degrees in the summer. We get rid of the thunder slide that gives all the parents a headache when the kids are banging on it. Um, slides, big towers, with again, with shades with canopy on it. The other part of this is what we've called the toddler train. And you can actually see it better in the top right, where we have what, what they refer to as the back view. And this will actually be a separate area, again, sectioned off by a retaining wall, where toddlers, like my son, can play and have a spot that's going to be safe and away from the chaos of your older kids. Um, so again, it's set out to be functional, safe, aesthetically pleasing, belongs in this millennium, and has something for everyone. Now, this park is not going to build itself. You heard Jerry talk about it. Um, but we are going to be launching the Church Courtyard Capital Campaign uh, in September. And earlier this year, uh, I wasn't sure if it was the right time. I wasn't sure if we were going to do it. Um, you know, we had talked about it in the board of this is something that Jerry's been planning for years, right? The, these mock-ups are not new. This has changed over time. Um, and Jerry just happened to mention in announcements that day, that Sunday, just like a 20-second teaser, that the Courtyard Project is coming. He just threw it out there. And I said, okay, God, if, if it's time, show me. Um, any donation. If anybody donates to the Courtyard Project just from that, we'll go for it. That's what I need. Just show me it's time, because I'm not sure. And so the next day, I texted Greg, uh, who was doing the money count and depositing money, and somebody donated $60 to the courtyard. I don't know who you were, but you are responsible for this happening. <laughs> $60. But that was what I asked for. I said, one person. Have one person donate just from that, and I'll know that hearts are ready, that you've been moving, that you are ready to do this. Now, building this will not be an easy undertaking. Uh, but... I believe in the power of God. I believe in his plan for the church, in the plan for this church, and in the vision that he has given Pastor Valui. I grew up with this church. I'm familiar with its DNA. This courtyard could be the thing that defines 
this era of our church, of who we are. It will require work. Let our work be produced by our faith as it was for the Thessalonians. It will require labor. Let our labor prompted by, be prompted by the love we have for this church family and the community that's around us, even those that do not yet know Christ, as it was for the Thessalonians. It will require endurance. Let us endure and persevere through the coming time as we sacrifice our own comfort and security in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it was for the Thessalonians. I am obviously not Pastor Valui, and uh, if you've been at this church for any period of time, you know that God talks to Valui through dreams. Uh, I have never had this. Valui is like, I had a dream, and God showed me this, and it was very explicit and clear, and I knew exactly where I was going. I'm like, that sounds interesting. That's never happened to me. Um, I'm not Pastor Valui. You would not mistake me for Martin Luther King Jr., but I had a dream. And I want to share with you this dream that I had. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as I share this, and we'll close with this. Um, this was way back earlier in the year, way before we decided we're going to do this now. Um, I just randomly had a dream that I was standing up here, and I was giving a talk about the playground. And in my dream... I told the congregation that the board has committed $80,000 to the courtyard project. This courtyard project we're estimating is going to cost about $400,000. We have some money now. We can get into the details later. That's not important for the story. I had a dream that I stood here and I said, we, the board, have committed $80,000. And uh, I woke up and I said, that was weird. Went back to sleep. Let it be. Um, months later, the momentum for doing this is starting to pick up steam. And I start talking to the board. I say, board, you know, if we are going to do this, I want us to commit to the capital campaign because we are charged as being on the board of looking out for the future of this church, of preparing for this church, of being committed to what this church is going to be about. And if we're going to ask people to donate money, we need to lead that. Left it at that. Come back the next month, talk about it a little bit more. This went on for several months. And finally, Gary, you know, says in an email, okay, this meeting, I want everybody to bring their amount um, knowing the amount, not like bring the cash. This is not... Uh, come knowing how much you want to commit to the courtyard. And we're going to take some time and, and go over it. And I'm like, oh, Gary pulled the trigger. I wasn't ready, but okay, we're going to do it. Um, so we have the board meeting, and you know everybody's writing down how much they're committing. This much up front, this much per year for however many years. Collect all the papers... I haven't told anybody this dream yet. Collect all the papers, pull out my phone, I'm adding it up. I, I just, like, kind of start smiling, start giggling. We, the board, 
have committed $79,000 to this courtyard project. Because we believe in the future of this church. We believe that this church can be the place where this community comes together, fellowships with each other, is a family, and experiences God. We believe in that. We believe in our pastor. We believe that this is where God has called us to be right now, and we are willing to put our money where our mouth is. I said, if we're going to ask the congregation to raise money, we're going to do it first. And they raised $79,000. That $1,000 is there just to keep me humble, because it's not about me, it's about God. We didn't get 80, it's all right. The rest of it's going to come. I believe. I have faith. God, God provided for a dream that I didn't tell anybody about, and that's never happened to me. It, it, it blew my mind. But it will require work. Pastor Valu is going to talk next week. We're going to kick it off officially in September. This is where the church is at. This is where we're going. And I would ask that you would spend the next couple of weeks praying, looking at your finances, looking at what God has blessed you with, and preparing your heart. Because it will require work, it will require labor, and it will require us to endure. The giving that we are going to need will require self-sacrifice. But I'm familiar with the DNA of this church. And I know that this church can self-sacrifice. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the people that make up this family. The individuals, the families, the elders, the kids, those that have not yet come. God, I thank you for the plans that you have for this church. Bless us in this time, in this season, as we prepare to remake this courtyard into a park that will be for all of those who will come and use it. Be with us today as we celebrate you, how amazing you are, as we enjoy the grill, as we fellowship with each other, and continue to grow bonds of family and community. Amen.